feel I feel really um, honored that I was able to have been able to be the moderator for Editors Lounge. How many years, Terry? A lot of years. Um, so many years. But anyway, I'm happy. I'm so happy we're back. I think we're all happy to be in a room with other people after three years of being locked away. And we promise you another scintillating um, conversation about NAB and all other things. I'm literally on the edge of my chair. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like almost everybody here got a uh, already got an introduction. I think um, Katie. I don't think Terry mentioned anything about you, director of technology at Marvel Studios. Joanne, I think you know, is the head of production technology at Amazon Studios. Michael, you've worn many hats, but now you are here as the senior director of innovation at Shift Media. And Jeff Sangpil. Sangpil. <laughs> she nailed it. I nailed it. Um, CTO of this illustrious, fabulous establishment, Keycode. So I'm going to start off a little bit the way we've always done for Editor's Lounge. Who on this panel is going to NAB this year? Uh, oh, okay. Oh, you're not going? going? Okay. How many of you out in the audience are going to NAB this year? Wow, a fair number. Wow, that fair is number. surprising. Okay. Um, well, one thing we can talk that I think we can all talk about, even if you're not going, um, is what themes we think are, we're going to be seeing. I get a lot of press material for a good month or so before. Uh, you guys probably do too, so I have my own thoughts. But you guys are the experts. So, uh, Jeff, why don't you start off? What kind of what what do you? First of all, are you looking for anything at NAB? And what do you think the trends are going to be? Sure, I'm not I'm not necessarily looking for anything specific at NAB because you know I, I live in the technologist space. Um, so I'm not specifically looking for anything because one of the things I, I deal with is a giant lightning card here. So there's not anything specifically in terms of something that is revolutionary. Has there yeah. actually been a revolutionary year recently though? No, I, I mean, so. everything seemed to pause like 2019 and then everything, even 2019, everything felt a bit paused. And then we came back last year to NAB and it was just 2019 NAB again. Yeah, it feels like it's been a repeat ever yeah. since, maybe. Mm. I don't know. With a couple masks. So, but I think where a lot of the exciting stuff is, is not in the hardware, but it's actually in, it's under the hood of stuff. Let's get into the conversation, but first I want to hear from everybody what they think the trends are going to be, because God knows there are so many possible trends out there. Yeah, well, I think one of the things we are going to see is people are going to be talking about, you know, AI and, and machine learning and how that's going to affect things. Um, that is one of the pieces that is, it's, it's kind of like, oh, the storm's already here, and you didn't realize it was coming. Um, it's something that we've been, you know, hearing the buzz about. Um, I mean, the, the Copyright Office um, just last week said that we, they may accept AI-generated content as copyrightable, and, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of legal crap around that, but I feel that people are going to be trying to integrate that into products that's the buzzword that's going to be out there. Um, you know, my AI can do this. My machine learning has figured out that. Um, I think that's one of the things we're going to see. Okay. It's going to be fake everything. Uh, and what I mean by that, obviously, is AI and ML. I mean, if you had to be living under a rock if you didn't know that was coming at this point. Uh, but in terms of visual and, and audio for most of us, um, it's been in the nascent stages, right? The text is great. We now can get a prompt and get text, and you know, very few people can uh, ascertain the difference, but getting to uh, quote-unquote broadcast quality video or production-ready fake audio, voice cloning, uh, a lot of those things we're gonna see at NAB this year, and it'll be interesting to see how much is just gonna be complete bullshit. Like, mm -hmm. do we need this? Just because you put AI, it's like several years ago, it was, oh, this is HDR. It's, no, it's a spinner fidget. It's a, that's not HDR. Are you going to look for anything to buy or to keep track of at, at NAB aside from all this fake stuff? The things I'm looking for are um, ways to use AI to generate more usable metadata. Uh, there's been a disconnect for years between uh, what is shot and then what's needed at various stages of post. And okay. we're working on ways to get the metadata uh, you know, created at the front end and travel through post but it's not available to the general public. Okay. And that's uh, just been a real pain. So I'm looking for companies that are harvesting metadata, even if it wasn't explicitly added 
to the file. Katie, what trends do you think uh, are going to happen? I mean, I know you're not going to be there, but what trends do you think sure. are going to be? It's interesting you talk about metadata because you know, that's definitely a priority for uh, any company wanting to get into the AI space because you can't have AI without IA, right, as they say. Um, but I think there's, you know, I, I agree with Michael. I think um, there's going to be a bunch of stuff in that software space. There's going to be a bunch of generative AI buzz. That's the buzzword. And it's going to be the same, like, it's going to be that level of, like, vaporware bullshit that we had with Metaverse last year, you know, um, at NAB. I even see it now. Like, it's like all these companies that are like, oh, this is AI, this is, you know, all these things. It's like, we've always known for years that there's AI and there's AI. Um, and I think, yeah, so because a lot of a lot of products already have generative AI embedded. Um, I also think that there's going to be a bit of a theme of a lot more collaboration. And the last few years, there's, I've called, I always call a theme every year, right? And the last couple of years, I've actually called the same theme of collaboration. So collaborating between users, but also collaboration between companies. Um, and I think this year we're seeing even more of that collaboration between companies opening up APIs, you know, open sourcing things, mostly because they all want to throw their AI into there and their machine learning algorithms and all of that other crap that isn't quite there yet. Um, but yeah, that's, I think there's going to be that collaboration again, but the main buzzword that everyone's going to talk about is going to be generative AI specifically. So, Joanne, are you going to NAB to look yes, for anything? Yes, I'm not going to look at anything particular. I'm going to fucking get the free dinners and the, you know. <laughs> the reason why everyone wants to go to fucking NAB is to get the dinners and schmooze and whatever. I am going to meet with the vendors that I am already working with, by the way. And this is probably to the chagrin of my company is like, why, are you sh why is she paying for this? Why are we paying for this? But I am. I'm, I'm, but you're right, the buzzwords are AI, generative AI. Um, the problem is that I don't personally think that any of us know how to implement AI correctly. That's just my personal opinion. Well, the, the metadata screwed up. The fucking metadata shit that he's talking about, but we don't know what kinds of metadata to, to, uh, to scrape to actually have functional AI, and nor do we know how to actually apply any training that's going to have any kind of meaningful AI that's gonna give us anything functional and operational. So anyway, yes, generative AI is gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a, it's a buzzword, and it's, it's gonna give us, you know, cool things to look at, and gives us, I, I ask it to make a diagram, and it makes it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's cool. But is it going to be difficult for the question for all of you to kind of sort the wheat from the chaff? No. That's, that's our jobs. I think most of us, that is literally our jobs, yeah. is to be, to count, you know, like I've, this is what I've been doing for years, right? Is, is this bullshit? Yeah, I'm not right? looking at it, right? I'm not looking at yeah. the generative AI stuff. I'm just looking at how to aggregate, first of all, how do I identify the metadata that I need to actually create the functional and meaningful AI that I need to, to operate? I don't even know what kinds of AI that I need. That's a difficulty to identify. So let's start there. <laughs> you may be right in the, in the right realm. Well, let's start in the metadata realm. Let's start at identifying what we're trying to do first. But, but it's there already. What we need. I mean, the thing is, there, there's AI, there's metadata that we need for, oh, it's a movie, it's this size. And in fact, there's, there's general stuff that we need, which is for the archive. Mm -hmm. 30 years down the road, somebody wants to look for the 4K version of XYZ, there it is. That's metadata. So that's general. Now there's production metadata, there's post-production metadata, and then there's business metadata. That's right. Because the thing is, everybody's company is interested in business metadata. They don't give a rat's ass about the rest of it. Forget it. And then guess what? Later on down the road, you don't even have the archive metadata you needed in the first place. That's that's one of the things that is a problem. In, it's one of those things I've been talking about for like the last nine months is our, our ontology doesn't exist correctly. Mm. We don't know about it. I blame my nation's schools. We don't know how to organize data. We weren't trained that way. And, and the thing is, we're in a, in a life now where it's all about data organization. I don't know how many photos are on my phone. There's thousands of them. Can I find anything? Nope, I gotta scroll mm -hmm. through. Yeah, we just went from like this pie in the sky, generative AI buzzword thing to all the way down to like, we don't know how to fucking label things. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if I, if I identify one of my kids on my phone and then my phone can then go through all of it, 
and find out where, where my, the picture of my daughter is, then yeah, that's generative AI that is useful to me. Which that, is, which exists. Yeah, it exists. And, but the thing is, we need to find that AI that uses the metadata in a way that is useful to us. Which I will argue exists. So, and I think there's, I think we need to be careful about talking about pie in the sky, generative AI stuff, because it does exist and it is existing in a lot of the tools that our artists are using. Um, and I think it is useful to many, many people. And there are so many things that it can solve. Um, what we need to do is like all the technologies we, a lot of technologies we introduce into the marketplace because we can, not because we should. Um, I'm sorry. No comment. <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, I think we also need to acknowledge that it is there. And we need to actually be looking at solving the problem of how do we do it safely, ethically, securely. You know, that's what I'm interested, that's what I'm focused on right now. Is, 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 and legally, is the fact that my artists have those tools at their fingertips. It's in their NLE, it's in their VFX program, it's on their computers, it's in their phones. And they are using it to solve problems. And I don't want to stop them solving the problems they need to solve. And these tools are awesome tools. So how can we make sure that it's awesome for them? Like, how can we make sure it's great so they're not going to go and read it and find some weird plugin? You know? So is NAB going to be a good place to find out who's, who's got the real deal, something that's useful, and people that are? There's, there's you you ask them to come back and see you after NAB, then you find out. Okay. The, the old yeah. joke is announce at NAB, ship at IBC. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Because they're yeah. trying to find yeah. what's mm -hmm. vapor and what sticks. Or if you like black magic, it takes you to next NAB to ship. But we'll leave that there. <laughs> well, don't forget red. Oh, well, well red. Speaking you know, of vapor. Open a prayer. Um, <laughs> So yes, it's it's seeing what Fulcher talked about, but 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 more than that, it's talking to other people in the industry, other technologists, mm -hmm. and saying, what have you seen? Have you seen X Y Z? Did you go to their booth? Yeah, that's bullshit. Okay, good. I know that when I walk in to be kind of skeptical of something. So it's good. for me, it's more of that. I almost feel like we need a post NAB get together to you know spread the word of what's real and what isn't because how does that you know if if somebody's less technologically knowledgeable, you know how do they you know, thread the needle. If only someone had a post NAB tour. <laughs> if only. Or podcasts, even. Or a podcast. If only we had podcasts with this panel. I wonder, are you suggesting any particular podcast? Well, no. we're on a podcast. Yeah. And Kiko has a podcast. Okay. Do. And you should have your own podcast. I don't have shit, dude. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't have shit podcast. I didn't even get an introduction from Terrence, for fuck's sake. I don't like I, Yeah, I'm, I don't do stuff. The, the thing I'm also, just here to drink. We go this there, is delicious, by the way, Rachel. Good. Thank some, you. Some of us go to the back of the hall and, and see those little booths. The outside is the best part. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the stuff that, that you know, yeah. it's a little Korean the company crust. or somebody from, from Tennessee, and you're like, you're doing what? Oh, yeah. crap, that's cool. And that's the thing, you know, you're, you're at that yeah, dinner, true. and you're telling people, yeah, I saw this cool thing at the back of the hall. Mm -hmm. and they're like, which hall? Oh, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> this question but, of, like, what's real and what's not is not the right question, I don't think. I think it's just, you know, it's, it, it's a discovery process mm -hmm. a lot of times. What has potential as well? Like, what can we support to become real? Yeah, what can we, what can we use to yeah. make, yeah, what's you know, useful? shit happen? I mean, it, mm -hmm. It's like Sensei from Adobe. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can pull, you can pull all the text out. It's going to give you generated. Wow, energy. way to kick that in. What are you, are they paying you? No. They're, okay. they're, they're sponsoring this. But oh, the thing is, you shill. Way to go, that's, Adobe. That's, you shill. That's that technology that's built in there. I haven't seen it. And it I'm sure it's good. That's the thing is, yeah. other people have those useful technologies that are going to be part of that. It's not just machine learning for the sake of machine learning. It's like, how does this integrate with what I need to do today? Well, and that brings up, I mean, in the world of AI, obviously there's a, there are a lot of people in prominent places who are like, well, let's put the brakes on. Because there's an article that just came out, was it this week, that there's a, what, six-month moratorium that's being proposed <laughs> yeah. in AI development? Yeah, good luck with yeah. that one, right? Of the hundred technologists in the well, world. Yeah, that was the, that just don't the do dumbest it. thing I've ever heard. It's, it's, it'll it's give the bad actors me. more time to get ahead, right? No, yeah. it's, it's let my company catch up. <laughs> that was that. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. So, um, you know, usually when we talk about new technologies, we talk about, uh-oh, whose careers are in danger. 
does, this doesn't sound like it. Is this going to threaten? Oh my God. Let's just get this fucking cleared up, all right? Yeah. Everyone's career is in danger all the time. <laughs> get over it. You guys are, we're all expendable at any time. Let's just get that clear. Yeah. So the thing is, Michael is expendable. I am expendable. We're all expendable. Just so, get over so it. So you need to be adaptable. Yeah. So, uh, hey Chase, you got that still? There's a still we want to see. There's a still. Yeah. Philip Hodges, he's got to make a, an uh, appearance. Oh yeah. Oh, um, Philip. So okay. he threw, threw all of this documentary dialogue into ChatGPT and said, mm. make something of it, but keep it in order. It, could, it couldn't keep the text in order, but it told the story soon. Okay. Soon. It's, it, that, that piece is going to be there. So instead of it just simply being the text, now let's turn that into a script. A script. Yeah. Or video that's attached in, in the case of a documentary. Well, my job is certainly gone. Everything's instead of it, reporters in India, it'll just be Chat GPT yeah. writing all the stories. No, why? <laughs> but but it doesn't it doesn't no, have the it doesn't why. have the correct background. It only knows what you've told. No, it. I know. Yeah. And that yeah. that's part of the. Do other I need problem. to pull out my quote? Do Please. I need to pull? I, I thought you were ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do it. Do it. Are you Drop ready? it. Drop it. We always overestimate technology and underestimate society. I Think about again. that. I'm not Get sure that on a T-shirt. One more time. Say it again. We always overestimate technology and underestimate society. Yes. And we certainly overestimate technology in the near term. Everybody it is like, a tool. It is a tool, just like every yeah. other tool. And if it's going to do bad stuff for society and people's jobs, what do you think people are going to go, okay? No, they're just not going to use that tool. Now, I, this is something I've been writing and speaking on this particular topic for a really long time. <laughs> So could wheel out many of my talks on this topic, but let me just say my, my general, I have a theory um, other than obviously, you know, computers cannot by their very nature be creative. But my theory is that I think we will see an awful lot of computer generated, generative AI generated video production because my God, everyone wants to save money, right? And there are people who want to save money. And there are the low end kind of, you know, that are going to use these things when they become available, when they become good enough. And what we're going to see is everyone can pick out a mid-journey shot, right? Everyone can pick that out because it looks the same. They all look like mid-journey. We're going to see a lot of the stuff looking the same, the same, the same. So there's going to be a bunch of content that just kind of looks like it came from an AI. And what we're going to see is we're going to go, well, that's free. So I'm not going to pay for that. That's not premium content anymore. And so the premium content is going to be the stuff that is so clearly not made by an AI that it could only have been made by a person. So I think that if we get that far, I think that the premium content is going to be stuff that's really creative and editors' jobs are going to be more about being creative because these tools are going to let you, are going to let you not waste your time on the boring stuff and give you more time to be creative, which will be the thing that is given like higher status. Well, it's yeah. interesting because we always say content is king, mm -hmm. but if content is generative AI, maybe it's not so kingly anymore. I thought you guys are overestimating humanity. Fuck. <laughs> I think if you guys give them an easy way to ingest this shit, give them stuff to look at, regardless of whether it's generated by computers or humans, they're going to eat that shit up. To an extent, but they're not going to pay for it. They're not going to pay right. a premium for it. But the, the thing is, we're also talking about there's the there's the overall. Hey, this is content that's generated by AI, and then there's people who are using AI to assist what they do already right. to make it easier because we don't want to do the boring bullshit. I mean, you use Google and not a bunch of books that are encyclopedias anymore. Yeah. Now. You know, like like technology and, does. And we've eliminated the entire encyclopedia business, basically. It's, it's the, the parts of your job that you don't like mostly that AI is going to do. It's going to do the sorting. It's going to do the organizing. It's going to do the transcripts. It's going to help you with Frankenbytes because it's going to be able to generate words that you don't have to try and find from another take. So instead of spending an hour trying to do a Frankenbyte, you type it into a website and you get that because you trained it based on someone else's voice. You're going to be able to generate uh, B-roll so no one is so not everyone is using that same stock footage of a, of a girl using a computer in a creative agency. Stop using that stock footage. <laughs> and you all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's going to be those things that are, are going to be AI-assisted. You're also going to uh, see uh, uh, searching for content. Instead of searching who uploaded it, 
and uh, where they were located in the world or maybe the client uh, uh, number. You're gonna be able to search on a person sitting outside, drinking a can of Coke, speaking this language in this part of the world. And it's gonna be enable you to find content to put into your creative piece easier. That's all the stuff that's gonna be done by AI sooner rather than later. And I, I, I love that, that kind of utopian, oh, it gives us more time to create. You and I both know that post timeframes are just gonna constrict Right, because you don't have to spend as much time doing that stuff to begin. But there are there yeah. are parts of the industry is going to disrupt. Yeah. Oh, so oh yes. The, the the part I saw at HPA was a, a thing called about the the future of localization done by the DPP mm -hmm. people out of out of the UK. So, what if I was just sitting here speaking in English and someone needed to see me uh, in German? They take my voice. They use AI to turn it into German. I'm speaking German. My mouth doesn't match now. But what if you could just simply redo the pixels yeah. here and now I'm speaking in German and I'm speaking in Portuguese and I'm speaking in, in Spanish and, and Tagalog or whatever. That's the sort of stuff that's there. So future localization, mm -hmm. what we would consider as generally post people, a boring kind of mm -hmm. repetitive kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, that could just go away. You're also talking about all those people that they've hired to do those reads, mm -hmm. the dramatic presentations for these other languages. Poof, they got to go do something else because we've already figured out the mm -hmm. way to make that take care of itself and spend a lot less money. Well, that's, because, that's why we're pausing on a lot of the stuff at the moment, right? We're all pausing on, we're all just kind of going, hold on a second, because we are figuring out the legal, ethical ramifications. There's union, there's union stuff to deal with. Um, you know, but legal and ethical is, is huge right now, and most people don't want to mess that up. So, you know, I will say that all of these tools are being developed and they're amazing, and there's all, all of the unsexy things about what we do are right for disruption, right? That's, that tends to be where the low hanging fruit is anyway. Um, and few people find localization that sexy. Um, but I find it so awesome. It's cool. <laughs> I but think localization is fucking amazing. It's cool, but is it yeah. sexy? I don't know. But anyway, of, it can make it pretty sexy. There's parts of localization that will still exist. Yeah. So the, one of the examples they gave is they, they, they had a commercial where, or it was a, an animated feature where this kid was eating broccoli and hates the broccoli. You don't, that doesn't play in Japan. They love right. broccoli. So they had to replace the vegetables because it was localized for their version so that everybody didn't say they don't like broccoli, forget this. But that's that's, that's, that's just going to address right? the bigger picture here. You're asking, are there going to be jobs that are replaced by this particular tool set and this yeah. functionality? Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. But yes. In, the, all, in the history of fucking film and yeah. television and technology, there have been iterations where jobs have been replaced. There, in the else, history of film, film right? we had people who were grips who knew how to blow their own fucking light bulbs, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. That was their job. They don't do that anymore. They don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. That got pushed out. We had better technology. Mm -hmm. We improved on that. This is another piece of that. That's a, just another iteration of this. This is just another piece of history in film history that we're going to have to deal with and adapt. And yet we're in an industry that is notoriously conservative and in principle has been very slow to adopt to change. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden change is being forced on our industry at a much more rapid pace than in the past. That's my point of view anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the speed of it has changed, but I mean, who here learned how to, to edit on uh, Sony RM440 or 450? Yeah, okay. How many of you use those today? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you just have to be adaptable. Yeah, we still use a goddamn TMX 3600 for yeah, this video. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting it's that... Um, it's <laughs> That AI has Classic. taken up a hunk of our conversation, even though we're not really sure what we're, we know there's going to be a lot of buzz at it in NAB. It's not going to be all of NAB, but it certainly attracts the most buzz, whether you believe or not that it's ready for prime time. I would actually also say there's one more thing at, at NAB that I think that folks should go look at. Um, and I think that unity is going to be there. I think it's going to have a lot to show. Um, I think generally the game engines, but I think yes. Unity, um, Unity, Nvidia, and pretty much anywhere where those kind of game engines are doing interesting things, that's where they're actually doing a ton of cool stuff. As an Epic, Epic Games has announced a few things recently, I believe. Uh, 
if somebody can refresh my memory. I know that they've been introducing new things. So yeah, they should be a very interesting booth to check out at NAB for sure. I mean, a lot of young people come and they say, what should I learn if I want to get into the industry? And I'm like, game engines. Yeah. Game, game engines. engines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some of the themes that have been, no questions until we're going to get to a Q&A soon enough and then save that question. I thought this was supposed to be fucking informal and shit, man. Don't do this. No, no, yeah, no, no. no. Well, relative to what you're talking about. I know, save that question. Um, sorry, but that's just the way we're running it. Um, <laughs> yeah, blame me. Um, know your role, Wes. Know your role. There, there were the last couple of NABs. There's been other strong themes. I mean, last NAB, obviously, there wasn't Chat GPT, but there were things that were really huge and felt really new, like virtual production. Um, uh, Metaverse was last last year was Metaverse. Yes. All right. So which is which has almost destroyed Facebook. Facebook has been been dumping billions into it, and guess what? They're not doing that no more. Give a little context to this for people who may not know what you're talking about. Sure, so the, there's been a lot of spending around the metaverse, which is, hey, that virtual thing that we're gonna put, put on our glasses on and, and live in, um, and it just hasn't taken off. Disney closed their metaverse yeah. unit. So while, while there's pieces of that that are you know, AR and VR and XR, those, those have some, some validity, but living in a virtual environment is not something that has has seen the commercial acceptance that it needs to Yeah, see. but that's because of where it is in the hype cycle. I think I think this is actually probably the fastest whizzing over the hype cycle I've ever seen something do. Yeah. Um, and I think it went up up here and it went down here like within six months. Mm -hmm. And like every technology, it, it, it does this and it does this and then it comes like this really slowly back up. So, um, could be back there. I do, I, I still think that, it, I think that the reason why people think that it's silly is because it's not what it will be. And we can't see what it will be. We can't mm. imagine what it will be. But everybody's looking to get more immersive, right? With their media. They have been ever since, you know, we took things off stage and we took them into the theaters and we took them into our homes and then we got stereo and we got HDR and we got 3D and we got games and all of this sort of stuff. I, I, I do think that everything that we're doing, whether it's good or it's bad, is a stepping stone to the next thing. And we are looking to be more immersive. So if you, yeah, and people have been drawn to virtual worlds. Why do you think gaming is so big? Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> so I, I do think that it's just that it's not it's not the thing that it's going to be, but frankly, it isn't a thing yet anyway. It's not physically possible. Microsoft Flight Simulator is the closest we actually have to the technical capability of what would be required. But the, you know, like I think it's important to understand that, that it is going to come back. It's going to come back nice and slow, and people are going to sit there and tinker away at it until it's the thing that's, that, that it's going to be. But I know before, it, I'm sorry. I, I mean, is it, is it? I mean, I don't know. The metaverse is supposed to be a, a new reality, an alternate reality. The only reality that we can achieve that is within a, a pair of goggles, essentially, right? Well, no. No. There's immersive exhibition. There's at all large kinds scale of ways. Like well, but we did. I did talk. Shit. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's. I mean, I think the metaverse as a concept wasn't, hasn't really ever even been agreed on. I think the idea is that there is a concept that's pretty nebulous and we're still getting to figure out what it is, but that it is a persistent, right, which is what's interesting about it. It's a persistent virtual world that has commerce within it and it's interactive and it's large scale. Ready Player One. Yeah, the only, but the, even Ready Player One, though, to my argument, is that you it's got fucking goggles, goggles on but, your but face. But we're only looking at it with goggles because that's the only thing we, that we can imagine it being right now. Well, and, and, and is individualized. So you've got a choice where I'm interacting with this particular world and other people who are also in that sure, world. Sure, yeah. Because they're living in avatars. Yeah. Or you're dealing with like a dome type of exhibition. I'm just saying that the medium of being able to experience that world is... It sucks right now, which is why that. it's not a thing. And even in this world of the fictional yeah. Ready Player One world in the future, it's still a fucking goggle. Well, and, to that, to that these, end... You've got a chunk of people that have simulation sickness. They can't do it. Right. And to that end, what are we going to see at NAB this year that furthers 
AR and VR? Are we going to see anything that furthers yes. the you technology? You should be taking LSD <laughs> and taking drugs to experience your metaverse okay. in an actual holistic way. But, it, but, it's, but it's not collaborative, so. No, nor is it holistic. I mean, it's collaborative <laughs> to the person who's taking the drugs. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not, not persistent. Yeah. Um, so are we going to see anything? I mean, I think yeah. we've seen AR and VR being kind of stuck, being the goggles, being a lot of limitations to VR for sure. What are we going to, are we going to see? What are well, we again, that's see? where a lot of the game engines still yeah. are developing, right? Um, and I think, and another thing that kind of is adjacent to the metaverse, it is within that Venn diagram, and I think that we are seeing a little bit more of, is, hear me out, blockchain. Um, I think that blockchain, again, is maturing. It's coming into our industry. There are some really interesting companies that have designed solutions around blockchain concepts and blockchain technology, doesn't mean crypto, um, that actually are doing a lot for content security. Um, again, this is something that I've been blathering on about forever. But I do think... Illuvio? Illuvio is one of them. Can't, can't pronounce it, yeah. sorry. Illuvio is, is yeah. one of yeah. them, yeah. Um, but again, I think, you know, that it's solving a lot of problems that we really need to solve. Um, one of them being, I, you know, I'm, I keep saying this, but I think honestly, it's a big part of the cloud strategy has to needs, you know, part of what was holding us up to really going fully there, um, apart from egress, your guys. Um, but is, I'm not a fan of egress. I'm just <laughs> going to put that out there. It, it's security, and and that is one of the things that we want to solve for. And and I think blockchain is is a big part of. Well, you you really took me by surprise with blockchain, although that has certainly been part of the conversation. Unfortunately, it is tied to crypto, which is not been no, very not. well. Well, in people's minds, it is. In, in the, in the public, public you got to get over yes. that. But I mean, decentralized, right? It's just decentralization. Decentralized for media, it's awesome what you can do. Do you with think that. we're going to see anything like that? Totally, yeah. I think yeah. that's something that if you, you're going to have to look past the buzzwords and you'll see it. And I think you'll see it a lot of places. It's just people don't you know, want to hear blockchain, you know, so people are using all kinds of other words for it. Look for decentralized. Hmm. Yeah, well, there was a storage manufacturer at NAB New York back in the fall. Yeah. They have blockchain-based distributed storage. Right. So my movie is on... 7,000 different servers all around the world. That's right. They were bar you were renting storage. Uh, it's like if any of you rented a spare space on like a semi that's going cross country, uh, yeah. right? That's what you're doing. So you have your Synology NAS at home and like I could make a few bucks off this. You rent out your remaining storage on your home NAS. That's what we were doing back in the 90s, right? Yeah. yeah. But, that's, that's a thing now. But it, you know, but now you can do it, you know, you can do it in, in the cloud, right? So you can have bits and pieces of things and you can get on demand version, you know, get it served Taking up on demand. Stuff. So I'm curious, are, are, uh, are, are there companies you can name that you think will be seeing at NAB who will be showing a blockchain based? Uh, I, don't, I don't know specifically who's going to be at NAB. Anybody know? Are you looking, uh, Jeff, you look like you might know. Uh, <laughs> you can't say NDA. Can't, can't say. So. Okay. We're under friend DA here. Yeah. Yeah. And he's under friend DA. I said, okay. Here. Yeah, but okay. All right. Joanne I feel like this group and this whole thing focuses on the technology and the tech pieces a lot, and mm -hmm. and for good reason. But overall, most of us, well, I guess some of us, work for studios that are in, uh, that are endeavoring to make money and are endeavoring to retain and sustain engagement of their audience, right? Correct. Is really what we're trying, at least for me as a technologist in this industry, for most of my career has been, how do you figure out a way, maybe not as a technologist in this industry, sorry, I misspoke, as just a person. <laughs> how do you sustain the engagement of the audience in this fucking reality right now where you have literally hundreds and hundreds and our my company alone is is making i think 200 shows on the slate or something like that hundreds of shows that is available to us how do you engage the audience how are you engaged and what is it that is catching your attention what can we employ and deploy at least in the technology world, for us to be able to get your attention and retain it. 
And is you think question. that's a technology question, not a creative question? I think that's actually, a, actually, I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a combination. It's an AI question. We're relying on AI to create content. We're going to have to have AI curate our content because there's no way one person can consume 200 shows that your company's making. No, I think it's yeah. even more basic than that, Michael. I think it's even more basic than that. I think it's incentive. I think people want incentive. And whether you create incentive based on uh, quality of, of the creative side, because I've seen shows that are highly creative, are amazingly engaging in just the artistic form and the cutting and the timing and all of that is just amazing. Yet, there's very little viewership. There's very little appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. Creative is not what's attracting people. But what do you define Let's as just incentives? We're talking like NFTs, here. right? I, like I think uh, yeah. Marvel. When right? you bring Marvel. up blockchain, when you bring up NFTs, yes, there's oh, an it, element of that 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 could be employed, that could be distributed, that could be leveraged to engage the audience viewership. So there you mean like what Warner Brothers did with Lord of the Rings? That's real. If you incentivize, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't watch it. Um, if you incentivize the audience some way, and technology comes in this way, when you incentivize them, you engage them, you retain their viewership. They have a reason to continue to some watch some kind of interactivity that one with thing. them. Well, and, and the, the thing is, sometimes that that incentive is everybody's talking about it. I better watch it so I can talk about it with everybody else. Yeah. Water cooler chat. Yeah, water cooler chat. It's as basic as that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, the only incentive to and watch something is that it's good. And how do you create something from technology that's that going to keep yeah, I don't them want, engaged? I don't want interactive television. The thing is, at the end of the day, it's But it's goes, not about interactive television so much as, uh, well, maybe it is a little bit. Yeah, yeah can you give us an example of what you're garbage, talking about? Garbage storytelling isn't going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> and we know that because it, it, it's simple. You can... We, we watch people do this where, hey, a show gets a huge spike right at the beginning, which means it's got really great promotion, by the way. And then it just falls off and everyone's like, well, why isn't it? But there's a lot of things on TV that I think some of us could consider garbage TV that are very but popular But not everybody shows. considers them well, garbage. I mean, the, the, it's just the a different is, genre. Our, 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 our point is whether or not you're getting those eyeballs. And, and that still has to be compelling content. Content is still king. Well, yeah. that is one of the places where it, there are some interesting uses of AI because there is script analysis and things like that going on that has been going on for quite a long time and has been then informing the, informing the writers' rooms to respond more to what audiences actually like rather than what we always used to do and go, we know better than audiences, audiences are dumb, here's what they want. And it's like, so then when they actually, when we actually get the data on what they actually are enjoying, um, you know, the most, that, that really famous case of what they did with Orange is the New Black. That was one of the very first cases where they actually took the data and sent it back to the writers. And initially they thought, well, if we're going to have a thing about the big, big diverse cast of women, we better make sure there's a white lady to be like, you know, shepherding everyone through. And then after the first season, they realized that people responded not to the white lady, but to actually all the diverse stories and voices. Mm -hmm. And then they changed it. Mm -hmm. And whatever you think of that show, that was actually a really huge moment in storytelling. And that, that technology, it did incentivize people to keep watching, I guess. Well, they I, got what they I wanted. wonder what you guys think about the idea that the huge popularity of games is because the people who watch it aren't just watching, but they're engaged they're participating. in it, the interactivity aspect. I mean, maybe that's... It's maybe, a different genre, though. It's, but it's some, a different... But some version but of... But there's a version of community and a version of being able to communicate with this, like, invisible group of people who are in the same mindset and the same community and the same world, which is really when you want to reach back into the fucking metaverse topic, is really the point of it, right? Is, mm -hmm. is this gaming world of being able to have a community of people where you're communicating with them, regardless of who they are. They're just looking at them as an avatar, as a character. Meanwhile, they could be, you know, a 80-year-old, you know, Chinese man in Singapore, bored to death, playing the same game as you, dressed up as a woman in a tank sure. top, shooting. I don't play games. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> um, Thanks for that image in our mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it, it's the sense of being able to be, uh, you know, part of a community that you feel like you want to belong to. And Fandoms. I think that, yeah, it's the fandom's idea. But, but the thing is also some people just want to sit on the couch, veg out, and be entertained. 
Why, why not both? I mean, how, what, what, why, <laughs> how is, why is Reddit both, yeah. around, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so people with common likes or whatever can get together, talk, share, whatever. With, but it doesn't happen, I should say it doesn't happen all the time, but it doesn't need to take place during you watching a show or during right. you watching a movie. It's done grassroots on their own. Yeah, you should watch a movie, pay attention to the movie or the mm -hmm. show, be able to enjoy it. But then also be in your head about like, I should be paying attention to the show because when I talk about this, when I'm in this community of people, mm -hmm. when we're talking, when whatever incentive there may be, uh, I need to know what's going on. But that's that's that that incentive isn't coming from, from you <laughs> or the company you work for. That's, the that's validation bad. from your peers. Yeah. And is that a technology thing at all? Well, sure it is because guess what? I now have a pause button. I can pause it. I can go back. So oh, basic. What, what was that thing? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought that so was. So basic. No, it is. It is so basic. And guess what? When when people used to watch the Brady Bunch decades ago, yes. you didn't have that. You know, I think um, if we go back to current technology as opposed to whatever <laughs> this is, um, I, I, th I wow, do think that was a very disparaging comment. <laughs> I think that's gonna like shut the fuck up. Here's where I'm going. <laughs> to bring it back to what no. we're talking about in terms of NAB and this year's stuff, I, I do I do think it was very interesting what Warner Brothers did with Lord of the Rings NFTs. So they did DVD behind the scenes, DVD special features as NFTs. And it was really, really smart. It contributed to the fandom. It, you know, made money. Um, but it was, you know, it was the sort of thing that we often don't get now with digital media is that, that nice little, that little the extras, right? Mm -hmm. So you could buy all these different things at lots of different price points as NFTs, whether it was, like I said, special features behind the scenes, different things, posters, if you were cheap, you know. Um, you know, I think that's really interesting use of, emerging technology in order to keep that fandom going. Which, which, which actually is really, it's creative technology that we end up contributing to, but that's all in the marketing side of it. Sure, it's yeah. It's not just the simple- Isn't marketing the, where the most show. of our technology gets experimented with, played with, and tested? Mm -hmm. You know, in, in talking about this, you brought up a couple of other themes that I will gently uh, bring us back to <laughs> Las Vegas con Convention Center floor. I mean, I, I loved your comment about that we might see actually blockchain security systems on the NAB floor because cybersecurity has obviously become completely out of control. Mm -hmm. um, but you also brought up the cloud. And, you know, that's something that has been a, a buzz of the past, but it continues to... Um, be cooking along, uh, and now people are talking about the multi-cloud universe, which is a goal for uh, a lot of people, and yet there have been some big obstacles to adoption of cloud, mainly egress costs. Um, it's, it's, I'm sorry. I, I where spent, are we at with the cloud? I spent four years working for the leading cloud provider for cloud editing, and there is so many uh, 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 ill-conceived notions. First of all, first off, egress is bullshit. Uh, and uh, second of all, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's, a, it's kind of a scare tactic, right? Um, it's compared to, if you're worried about egress, then you're not doing enough in the cloud. Because if you're running a machine in the cloud, right, a workstation that all of us cut on for Avid or Final, or, or Final Cut or uh, Premiere or whatever, uh, you're paying uh, uh, several hundred dollars a month just to use that machine full time. And egress is going to be less than that. So egress isn't something to be completely worried about. Is it a slap in the face? Yes. Is it nickel and dining? Yes. Is it shitty? Yes. And you all should stop doing it. That being said, the costs are because the cloud providers are not lowering their costs. If you look at the cost of a GPU machine, it's been almost flat over the past couple of years. And that's not because uh, 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 the, uh, it's, they, they have that uh, cost because A, they can charge for it. B, the supply chain doesn't allow them to ramp up and get more machines to handle uh, more load. So if they drop the price, more people want to use it. They can't support it. That's why there were outages uh, last year and the year before. So the things to worry about with the cloud are obviously security, but a lot of times security isn't the fault of the cloud. It's because all of you put your passwords on <laughs> sticky notes or you, or you fall prey to social engineering and you get compromised that way or someone doesn't know how to operate ACL permissions on a bucket and someone gets in there, right? Uh, those are the big things. Also, the just, uh, like I said, the cost of 
storage in the cloud is just crazy. And that, that also boils down to, we live in an industry where we think that everybody should be extremely pleased to work with us and give us extremely <laughs> great price breaks because we're putting out the stuff that you put on, that you see on film and television. You know what? Same, whether it's DoorDash or the next you know, Disney movie, they don't care. It doesn't do anything for them. We're not buying at the scale generally that they need to cause those prices to come down. We want the prices to be down, but frankly, they don't have to. And, and I, I love the HPA. I love the HPA, but I, I said this during the show, I got to call you out. All the things that were done at HPA that talked about the cloud, not one person talked about cost. That's not, because they got and, it for free. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I wasn't going to say that, but yes. Also, nothing wasn't talked about that didn't cost $100 million. You know what? TV so, wasn't talked about. It was what these big film projects do. And when you're spending hundred million, that's we have the money. So we have the money to do the. But it's kind of disingenuous. It's kind of disingenuous to the industry when it you're is. saying this is this is the epitome of where we should be. Oh, and how like, you should no, do things. Yeah, that's the point one percent. They were just they were exercising the example and presenting the the operational technical pieces of it. That's understandable. But I agree with you that there was no mention of the business point of it, and the egress fees are junk. But here's why the egress fees are a focus, and here's why it is hard. Everyone here, if you're working in posts and you're working on schedules and you're working on budgets, you know that the budget process is already locked in. You're anticipating a number. You know what that budget is going to be, and you're working with templates most of the time for your budgets in post-production, and especially for temples and movies that you're working at studios, you have a, temp uh, a template and you have a budget, and that budget is really hard, especially in post-production, to approve. So you work on antiquated numbers, on legacy numbers and case numbers that you have. And the egress fees are unpredictable. You can't work with those. Right. You can't be able to just have a, I don't know, maybe it's gonna cost this. I think on average it's gonna be this. Can we approve this budget? That doesn't work. We have a budget, that's it, it's locked in and we have a flat rate that we can work with. So egress that, fees are junk. They are, I can't, but is I've this being recorded? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's our industry has been based on all you can eat. Look, We've been based on all you can eat methodology. Look, and the cloud it needs do that. to be, and we should, we all should, including myself and I have been barking up the fucking tree about this. At this industry is the, the fucking fractional. It's a small piece mm. of the fucking pie. Let's just admit it. We have to bark up the tree and we have to make sure that these companies know that there needs to be at least for us in the m and &E world that there's a flat rate model that we can work with. But Which if there was a flat know. rate model, no, the thing is there are they flat know. rate models available. You would just pre There are, but they're not performance models. Though. My understanding- No, you can get a performance model, but you prepay for it. You buy the year. Yeah, you can buy a year of storage at a certain performance level, and you will know exactly what it's going to cost you per terabyte. Oh well, then my understanding is some of the studios have struck, some of the studios have struck deals yeah. with cloud providers. Yes. Oh sure, because oh, sure. they have the scale. They've to struck do it. deals. Yeah. How long are those deals going? Oh, I can't believe well, this is yeah. Yeah. So, one, three, or five. So are we going to see so anything at any be the sorry. moves? That, I'm sorry, go on, Katie. I, I'll just say about egress. One of the reasons why egress is a big problem right now, though, is because we can't do the entire process in the cloud. So we are going up and down and up and down. And they and it's because, you know, it's going to take a little while for all of our technology partners to get there and or get out of their sandbox and get over themselves and allow it to get there. Right? So you have to essentially be able to go from camera, get the raw up there, which is going to take a very long time, but it gets there. You know, then do the entire process. You've got to do dailies, editorial, mm -hmm. visual effects, sound. You've got to get everybody on board to do it the same way so that everything stays there until you get to, then you do your finishing and then you do your deliverables and then you stream it. Now, if we can keep it all there and not have to be up, down, up, down, up, down, then the egress costs are, are nominally and arguably not that different to what we're used to in terms of just transcode and, and storage costs that we're used to. But, you know, it... That's, I think, the biggest barrier right now is that we can't do the entire thing 
in the cloud, which has to go up and down. Yeah, and realistically, the reason why we're having these egress fees surprise charges is because we're trying to iterate and get to that process of getting the workflows in mm -hmm. the cloud. We're not going to fucking figure it out right away, dude. And be realistic Come about on. it. Be realistic you're, about you're it. You're telling me, hang on, just, I want to make sure realistic. I understand this. Let's you're telling just me be that egress costs it. are there because AWS and others are working on the workflow? No, they they need no, that. no, I didn't say the egress fees were there because they were working. No, I didn't say that. Because they can charge it. The, they can, yeah. yeah. The egress fees are there because the, the they can problem charge is the okay, entire workflow you. is yeah. not sussed out. For sure. Right. And this, this the is problem, what, yes. The problem is, is that you're getting charged egress fees because we haven't really figured out the iterative process of being able to get to the full workflow in the cloud process is not an overnight process. Are we going to see anything no, at NAB no, that will move it, the needle forward? Because you could be outside Ebony and still get deemed for egress. You can't, right? but try a global location of like productions that are in all over the fucking no, world. No, no, no. What I'm getting what at is do? outside of media entertainment, you if find, you're getting dinged for egress. That workflow? How do you solve that workflow? How do you solve our workflow that's, you know, uh, located in, in Japan that doesn't have any bandwidth availability? What do we do? What's that iterative okay, so process Japan's being able good, to actually. get yeah. into the cloud? <laughs> How do we get to yeah, South Africa yeah. when they don't have No, what I'm getting at is, is uh, uh, companies that aren't even in our space. Some you don't do. have to worry about Some video don't. workflow are still getting hit with egress. So you can't tell me that egress is so the, because we're iterating on the workflow for M&E when every other industry is no, getting dinged by the, it The as thing well. here is if, if you needed to ship previously, if you needed to ship stuff to a VFX house, it didn't cost you $5,000 to, to ship the drive via UPS to them or get a driver to but drive But it only cost it because you have to go down and Not only did we not know, like, did we know that cost absolutely, we also knew absolutely what that schedule was going to be and what that delivery so date I, was going to be. I take it, I'm going to interrupt for a second since we are supposed to be a pre-NAB panel. I take it there is nothing we're going to see at NAB that's going to move the needle forward on this, or is there? I don't think there's a lot of progress that's happened since last year on cloud. I do think that there's going to be, there are some responses to Movie Lab's 2030 vision that yes. are starting to yes. be seen um, as baby steps along that path of improving what we've been working on for the last. And the, and the goal of 2030 is to be able to exist in a multi-cloud universe where presumably sure. it would hand. It, to the, it, the problem well, is the yeah, gaps yeah. haven't filled in enough. And that's okay. why we're having mm -hmm. to, to bounce it in yeah. and out. And we're, get, we're getting there. In, we, but it's a slow, that's just, I don't think there's been a lot of stuff that's really moved that far okay. since last year. We have because about we, five minutes left. Um, let me be, finish your statement sure. if you want to make one. Because the, the thing there is it's still been easier for us to say, we'll do this the old fashioned way. Sure. Yeah, sneaking it, it's faster. So, uh, you know, in past NABs, um, it was always like, this year it's going to be 2K. This next year it's going to be 4K. So all the things that used to drag us there, the new technologies were, you know, high dynamic range, increasing resolution, faster frame rates. Do any of those things matter anymore? Have we kind of topped out? Well, they all matter anymore? because we're, yeah. we're doing them or they're still relevant. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, and, and we had presented something on this at, at HPA, there's immersive production yeah. that's outside of Metaverse and, and Google totally. and Goggle stuff. So, you know, you got 16K screens all around you. So we're gonna see a lot of we're gonna see a lot of very high resolution stuff at any piece? I mean there's there's an 8K consortium that's out there. There you go. Sixteen mm -hmm. K is on the horizon and the tools are I mean you got there. virtual production and visual effects, you, you need that. You barely fucking get four K right for fucking. It's sake. not about that. I know. But the, There's the, that. The thing it's is, not about this, that. This also goes back to the premium content thing. Yeah, it's not if about you're that. Sitting in a, if you're sitting in a, a theater with eighteen thousand of your closest friends, having the entire immersive experience, yeah. including the dawn. Sound yeah. and smell and all that other stuff. No, it's there. Yeah, it's there. I know it's there. Who the fuck wants to do smellorama anymore? Some people do. They do. They do. All right, and last question. I know because we are sorry. No worries. I know we're kind of racing through this a little bit, but I did ask Katie a question that she apparently has come up with some data. Was it Katie that about yeah. remote? Right. First of all, I'd like to ask how many of you oh, yeah, go into the office? Go into the office. How many, of you, how many of you are still working remotely? Oh, so a lot of people are still working remotely. Um, so I asked everybody, you know, where do we think is this, you know, are we going to go remotely more and more? Are companies going to say, gee, why are we paying for all this office space? There is a lot of empty office space right now. And 
Katie did some research and has some numbers for us. Yes, for those of you who are aware of the survey, you might have got the, uh, you might have seen the report already. So I pulled up the report on my phone for uh, what we have from. Uh, so in 2022, 62% uh, of our respondents remain 100% working from home. So that's across all of post-production. 14% are 100% back to in-person. Um, so 14. 14. Now, the other thing is that um, with the data over the last seven years or so, um, I actually looked at the last five years uh, in this to look at the difference between 2019 and now. Um, and some of the things that not only show the, the whole who's in the office, everyone was in the office in 2019, right? But one of the interesting things is the pay gap data between people who work in LA and New York and who work uh, who are, work, are based elsewhere for work. Now, what we know is that we saw that in 2020, like the pay gap between those who work in the major cities and the those who work in the small towns was huge. And then in 2020, it went like that. Wow. And which obviously cor correlates and coincides with folks going, well, shit, I can't, I've got to move home, right? Mm -hmm. I can't live in LA anymore. I'm going to go back to you know, Ohio. Um, and they're still working, they're working remotely. So we're seeing those pay gaps change. And we are um, back in 2022, almost at, uh, at the 2018 levels um, of that. So 2019 levels were at the pay gap was 12.4%, we're at 9.27. Uh, we went down to 4% uh, pay gap. So that's just another, and, and for the interesting for editors, because uh, many of you, I'm sure, are editors. They actually had the smallest change. Interesting. How many people are editors here? Oh, a fair amount. Great. So well, I should ask the um, traditional question we always ask about which platforms you're on. Uh, right? <laughs> Who's using Avid? Who's using uh, Adobe? Who's using Blackmagic? Anybody using Final Cut Pro 7? Ah, uh, yes, there's somebody. Or what about Final Cut Classic? Final Cut Classic or, oh. or Final Cut Pro 10? Real sugar? Nobody. All right. Um, well, I think we've come to a good ending point. We should ask about Final Cut 10. We should ask about Final Cut Classic. Anyone using Final Cut 10? Yeah, I asked that. And All right, okay. One person raised their hand, I think. One person for you. Everyone I mean, do, we want, do we want to have a quick chat about the future of work at home? Yes. If you have something to say, so I think... It's not going away. Well, it's, it's not going away, but the, the thing also is, I, the, the thing I'm seeing is if people are productive at home and the finance people think they're getting the same level of productivity out of you, guess what? You can stay there. No big deal. But if it's going to cost more to stay there, then they're going to have people start coming back into the office. Now, the other piece that's happening now that just has begun to unravel because real estate contracts are so long, mm. all those contracts are beginning to, beginning to be renewed and the office glut is forcing those prices down. Mm -hmm. the, for, the cost of being in an office is going to drop precipitously and the finance people are gonna look at, at that and say, you know what, bring them back. And it's not gonna be a question of what you want to do at that point, it's a matter of what they're going to pay you to do. Depending on the size of your corporation and Correct. company, by the way, yes. as well, because if your company is in a specific city, they are going to get tax breaks for the specific amount of people who are tagging in to your building mm -hmm. because they have an agreement for a tax break mm -hmm. to be able to have local restaurants and shops have yep. customers from their their building. It's going to get in. out of everybody's control. So. If you're wondering why you have Chase and Wells Fargo and those guys demanding that you come back five days a week, it's because they get a tax break for the number of people that you get into the building. Again, is this being recorded? Yes. Okay. So, in other words, don't take it personally if you have to go back to the office. Is well, I know that I know what Netflix is. What three, four days a week, right? Disney's three, four days a week. Apple is three days a week. What's? Yeah. What? What? Are, what are you? I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I think it's two, maybe three yeah. days. I don't know. Look, they're going to ask you to come back to work. Yeah, the reason why, depending on your company, is because they get a tax break. Let's just be honest about this. They're going to get a break from this. It's true, depending on the size of your company. 
But the reason why they're going to come back is it, it doesn't, the whole collaboration message, the message that we work together well when we're in person, that's half true. It's not really entirely true. I think I probably have been late to every single fucking meeting in in-person meetings since I've been back to the office when they've been having in-person meetings in the conference rooms because I have to go from one fucking conference room to another building. I am late perpetually because of this. Yet on a Zoom or a fucking, if you're doing Chime, Amazon, if you're doing a Chime meeting, you're there on time every single time. You don't miss it. You're like a minute late. Unless you've had to run to the bathroom between meetings because mm -hmm. one ran or late. Or that. Or if you're me and I just don't care and you're like, I'm sorry. I like the idea that we can have that flexibility, though, and I think as technologists, it's important to be able to keep that. Also, as a broadcast engineer, by the way, I have been saying this for years. We can do this remotely. We mm -hmm. can do engineering remotely. We've been saying this for decades, and if, we finally did want, it. So <laughs> it's not going to go back. I'm in the office because I want to be in the office. Yeah. But, but that's the thing, giving people the flexibility to be and work the way that is best for them is mm -hmm. what's going to get the best productivity out of everybody, yep. right? Some people need to get out of their house for many reasons, and you know, other people actually need to not get out of their house for yeah, many, many I'm reasons. And, and yet, so, you know, it's great to give people the flexibility. And I think as technologists, that's a really important part of our job to to optimize that, make it secure, and, and make it work. And I think this yeah. is a good place to end. First, let's give a round of applause for our fabulous panelists. Thanks for watching Broadcast to Post. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes. Follow Keycode Media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to receive news on additional AV broadcast and post-production technology content. See you next time, folks.